Hey, this is Chris Peel, the rising editor-in-chief at The Occidental Newspaper. Yes, I know I don't have as beautiful a voice as Laura or Greg, but I'm here to present you with a very special episode of Straight From The Tiger's Mouth. Today, I interviewed Oxy alum Jeff Weiss, who is one of the leaders of the recent boycott against the new owners of the LA Weekly. I think you'll find our conversation really interesting, so stay tuned. is a relatively young newspaper that was founded in the 1970s as an alternative voice to many of the legacy media institutions in Los Angeles. Jeff Weiss, who used to write for the LA Weekly, joined up with other former staff members as well as local city residents to boycott the recent change in ownership that took place December of last year. These new owners have very little experience in journalism, uh, and they fired every former editor and writer on staff except for one. When myself and Gabe Dunatov, the current editor-in-chief, heard about this boycott, we immediately started spreading the news among our staff. One of our editors started making phone calls to businesses that advertise with the LA Weekly. Another group of editors organized a group to attend a local protest against these new owners. What happened with the LA Weekly is shocking, but it's not uncommon. And as journalistic enterprises continue to struggle financially, the central narratives that everyone reads and relies on for their news will be owned and controlled by billionaires with predispositions. Jeff will tell you exactly what happened. Here he is. We knew the paper was on sale starting from about January of last year. Uh, it was owned by this previous company called Voice Media Group, who were pretty uniformly awful, but at least were awful in the way that like there was a veneer of respectability in the sense that they understood what journalism was. Yeah. They respected traditional walls of church versus state, and they didn't run uh, ultra right-wing think tanks that were called <laughs> Trump's brains by the New York Review of Books, like the new owners, who we found out uh, they bought the paper in secrecy. Um, un- they created a new company called Seminal Media for the purposes of buying it. Uh, none of the men had experience in, in journalism, save for the publisher, who was also the former vice president of the Claremont Institute, which is one of the well, infamous uh, right-wing think tanks in California that uh, produced alumni such as uh, Andrew Breitbart, uh, James O'Keefe, who did Project Veritas, uh, and a guy named Chuck Johnson, who's kind of a Twitter ghoul, who got tossed. But they took over the paper. They didn't have any exit interviews. They didn't talk to anyone. Long story short, they fired every single writer and editor but one. They kept one staff reporter who has since left the publication. And... They basically have turned it into uh, just just a sham and an embarrassment to the city of Los Angeles. I mean, they don't cover the city properly. There's no real hard news. They haven't they they have they've broken like you know one story in six months, and it was a non-story at that. You know, it's it's a twofold strategy. It's uh you get rid of the news, so you 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 knock out basically a, a, a what was historically a progress, progressive bastion of news, and conversely, it's toxic because all the profits are going to men that gave money to, I mean, the list of donations is staggering. It's like $30,000 to the Donald Trump for Victory Committee. Right. Some guy gave money to Mitch McConnell. Another guy back in the day gave money to Pete Wilson, who was responsible for, this before you were born probably, but it was Prop 187, where they basically were like, no no services to illegal immigrants. So like, you couldn't go to the, ho- you know, you couldn't, police couldn't help. It was a horrible bill that was actually ruled unconstitutional. And that's sort of the men that like, so if you support the LA Weekly, you're basically de facto supporting that kind of, that, that kind of ideology. And it's, it's a really scary thing. Yeah, one thing that's that's come up a lot in my discussions with people about this has been the LA Weekly's role as this counterweight to the LA Times and just, you know, trying to maintain some, you know, multi-dimensionality of 
Los Angeles is yeah. journalism. So do you think there's going to be, you know, a different newspaper or a different brand or anything that rises up to fill that to fill that role? I mean, I, th- I think I think to a lesser extent, there are places that have the fill the void in, in, in a small way. I think like L.A. Taco has done a really nice job of uh, kind of filling that void. I mean, my own site, Passion the Weiss, has a lot of local stuff. There's a site like Rosecrans Avenue and yeah. uh, Slap Media that do like music stuff that's like locally focused. Unfortunately, there's a there's a true power to print and uh, the power power of the LA Weekly was the fact that it would it would be distributed to places, you know, someone would pick it up and yeah. it could be, you didn't have to be like specifically looking for it, you might come across and you might discover all these stories that would otherwise get exposure that might not have otherwise. And that and, and there's also a, a, a power in the brand and that's what these insidious men did. They took a legacy brand, they knew what they were buying, they didn't know what they were doing with it and they didn't have any respect for what it was. It's tragic, I think, in a lot of ways because there's a lot of stories that are not LA Times stories necessarily, culture-wise, at least, you know, hard news is hard news so there's a real tide to this kind of vulture capitalism stripping it for assets you know just just destroying like what people had built and uh, the community trust and you know i think that's one of those things that is important with what you guys are doing there has to be community trust and once that it's violated it's gone yeah definitely you know i i've been thinking about this a lot because journalists you know we trade and trust it's super important and we We've been talking a lot about the community and um, becoming a newspaper that goes beyond our campus. And so we made this community news section and it's been successful so far. And I'm proud of the stories that we published, but it's still new. Um, And I'm just, I don't know how else we can start to build a relationship beyond just like putting our print in, in some, you know, some coffee shops. Like what can we do to build some community trust? Well, I think like if you break a scoop, I mean, that'll go really far. I mean, that's easier said than done. You know, you guys go to school, but yeah. I think it's a gradual thing, honestly. I don't think that, I don't think trust is the kind of thing that, trust is the kind of thing that takes years to build, but can be destroyed in an instant. Yeah. And uh, that's what happened with LA Weekly. It's very difficult, especially with the social media age, you know, a single tweak can torpedo like a decade of work, you know, so you have to be very careful. <laughs> What's more scary to me is honestly the, uh, the people that are trying to discredit the media. The people that I met in journalism have like way higher ethics than almost any other kind of profession that I've met you you know if you if you get caught plagiarizing like you can lose your entire career yeah. with just like again like it's like one you know one accidental screw up or intentional but you know you're rushing and you know and you can lose your whole career and that and that's what journalism has always been about and it's a real shame to see kind of this kind of systematic plot to discredit it because it is real and it's not an accident that this is happening and you can obviously see it going all the way up to the white house and everyone connected with them yeah yeah i think there's a lot of great ideas in and everything you just said i don't even know where to begin but one thing that we've been talking a little bit about is just just the ownership of media and of newspapers and one thing that concerns me with with journalism like even with hard news and with the people with the highest standards like the Washington Post and the LA Times it's seems to me it's all reliant on the benevolence of a few billionaires you know like Jeff Bezos and now this this local billionaire for the LA Times and maybe the exception of the New York Times it's it's a pretty common trend so does that concern you yeah it's a terrifying specter uh you know uh the public trust or the American news should not be in the, the whims of a few billionaires. It's terrifying. And to his credit, he's done a pretty good job of, of, of staying out of it and, and letting the post, you know, do great work. Yeah. And, and in that respect, I think we should all be thankful, you know, to, to some degree, but conversely, it's, 
it's a nightmare scenario. And I think like what we're trying to do with the Boycott LA Weekly thing is 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 not only raise awareness, but also to try to figure out a model going forward, what it's going to look like, because this center will not hold. You know, it's, it's the LA Times thing. They were basically being run by crooks. This guy, Michael yeah. Farrow, was giving himself a $5 million salary for consulting on January 1st of the year. So he would get paid before the year even started. Oh yeah. So he get $5 million like cash, like up front, just for consulting for what he was about to do for the year. Jeez. I mean, that's a scam. Yeah. And... Meanwhile, like to freelance for any of these papers, it's like good luck. Like you'll have to send up 34 emails to get like $700 eight months later. It's like, I remember when I was in college, it was a long time ago, and it didn't seem like this terrifying in terms of like the corporate landscape. You know, I, I should have been more like cognizant of it, but I always thought it was kind of, you know, like, oh, like hyperbolic, like ultra left concerns. But now having lived in the world and seen the way it's like manifested on a daily basis, the corporate control of everything is is real and they only care about profits they don't care about they don't care about the product they don't care about the people yeah and journalists are going to have to fight back and i'm optimistic you know a lot of good has come in the world from like small groups of dedicated people being like we're not taking it anymore yeah you know i think young journalists have really kind of figured that out where they're like no we're gonna unionize we're we're not gonna take this anymore like there has to be a change yeah going back to the media i totally agree that people have this idea it's like the monolithic media you know and it's so frustrating because when you say you know i'm a journalist or i'm a reporter people just throw you in this camp and that you know they assume well you know it's funny if you tell people you're a journalist they often respect you if you tell people you're in the media they think you're contemptible it's it's all it's all semantics yeah yeah i would love to hear firstly what the best outcome would be like it you know in a best case scenario what do you hope comes out of this boycott and but and then also what do you expect realistically my dream is uh my dream is for them to sell the newspaper and like get a get a crisis of faith one night and be like maybe we should try to sell the paper at a at an equitable price you know and like they're trying to say that like I was trying to buy the paper I'm like bro <laughs> you find me a freelance journalist with a spare million dollars to spend on a newspaper and like yeah. I'll take you out to the dinner of your choosing yeah. but like in an ideal world like you know we they do sell and and it gets turned into a nonprofit because I really think that's the future of what it needs to be you know it could yeah. be a company it can you can have a, a, a twofold Thing where one company is profit making and it donates to the nonprofit, but I think journalism is going to have to be altruistic. I just hope that people get involved. Honestly, I think that, you, that we have a website, Boycott LA Weekly. You should follow the Boycott LA Weekly Twitter, yep. Boycott LA Instagram, and stuff, or follow me, Passion Weiss, because it's important. And even if it's like, to me, like we've already won because we've shut down multiple other events, we've raised awareness, we've hopefully sparked a conversation on, on a deeper level about what journalism is and what journalism needs to be. Definitely. And that to me is a victory because, you know, it, it, it you're, in life you're not always going to get everything you want, but you can you can always fight. Uh, if there was some, you know, benevolent angel that could swoop in and and make the LA Weekly into the newspaper you want it to be, to the magazine you want it to be, what would they look like? The most valuable owner any publication can have is this, this is like an owner that doesn't meddle you know it doesn't have an ulterior motive which is rare the ideal owners the people whether through a staff co-op or whether it's uh supported through um kickstarter and patreon and and ads and you know maybe like just you know benevolent people like kind of how kcrw is funded or or lacma is funded you know maybe you you maybe have to have fundraisers every year you know maybe you have festivals that support it but uh, i mean i think that's the ideal owner but if there was like a benevolent billionaire that came in 
you know someone that invested in in, in hard news and like uh, yeah. understood the right people and and looked towards kind of covering the communities and the underserved parts of the communities you know there's a famous Jay-Z song called Where I'm From that I think about a lot and he's like I'm from where the news cameras never come yeah. and uh, you need to get to where the news cameras never come as a journalist and that's a really important thing to kind of keep in mind always well thank you so much I learned a lot Jeff I really appreciate you coming in well thanks for having me and congratulations on being named editor and uh, if you need anything I'm here thank you Jeff showed me a really powerful example of how delicate trust can be. As the future editor-in-chief, I'm concerned most about how to make sure that our audience, our sources, and everyone in the community understands that we hold ourselves to a very high standard of journalistic ethics. Even though there are rampant efforts to invalidate the institution of journalism, I've learned that the best way to resist complete corporate control is just to continue doing our jobs well. Journalists don't work tirelessly for no money because it's fun. We do it because we believe that informing the public and the free flow of information are necessary for a free society. And we do all that for the public. I used to want to be a journalist more than I ever wanted anything else my whole life. And as I learned more about the world I'd be stepping into, I'm increasingly more reluctant because of all the challenges I'd have to overcome. But at the same time, I find myself looking up to journalists more and more. Everyone wants to write their own press release. Journalists want to write the truth. After listening to the passion of Jeff Weiss, I don't know who wouldn't want to understand the difference. If you're interested in keeping up with the boycott, check out boycottlaweekly.com. And you can also follow Jeff at his website, passionweiss.com. Straight from the Tiger's Mouth is produced in the Critical Making Studio. Thanks to Barbara Thomas and our senior editorial team and our outgoing editor-in-chief, Gabriel Donatov. Sound editing by Naomi Brommer and Laura Scott. Original music by Nico Bluffin. Produced by Ronald Chan and Laura Scott. For more stories, please visit us on theoccidentalweekly.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. As we head into the sunny summer, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any of our exciting upcoming series. This is the Occidental Podcast.